0: The first Bible reading is taken from the book of Exodus. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord, So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idle cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, Why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised to them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
2: Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel of the Lord.
1: Do you know, since the moment. We decided to do a series on Moses. I have had this joke whizzing around in my head. And it's a terrible joke, but I don't apologise for it because it makes me laugh. How does Moses make the tea? I'm not not asking you, Evie, because I know you know it. He brews it. Ha oh, never mind. <laughs> It still makes me laugh even after all these weeks which probably is my sadness but hey. so let's just pray before we start. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray you will open our hearts to hear your message and to respond to it. In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Part of what I love about the Bible is the failures, the things that go so horribly wrong. If you were going to tell a story, hoping to win lots of people for Christ, to show how amazing our God is, wouldn't you start with bigging things up a bit, making God and his people look really cool and very wonderful? It's incredible to me, <clears throat> excuse me that the Bible starts with human failure, and mistakes. It's partly what makes it ring so true. It shows people how they really are, warts and all. Time and time again, people get it so badly wrong. Failure and return to God. Failure and return to God. And God seems to be complicated and difficult. Is he really demanding and vengeful? seemed to be going so very well, didn't it? As Pads told us two weeks ago, God's chosen people had just been given the Ten Commandments. God's nature and relationship with His beloved children had been revealed. And we opened chapter 32 with good old Moses on the mountain communing with God. The children of Israel knew where they stood. And for the first time in a long time, it looked like things were settling, and they had some certainty. They were a people. They were loved and recognized by God. What could possibly go wrong? But then, Moses did seem to be away a long time this time. What if something had happened? God was ever so slightly unpredictable, wasn't he? And who knew what happened up there on that mountain? What if Moses had upset God and suffered the consequences? But Aaron was a good man. You can see how it happened. Moses was gone, and Aaron seemed to be a suitable alternative. The people needed a leader. I can see how Aaron thought that what he was about to do was good, Never mind that Moses was appointed by God, never mind that it was Moses that had led the people out of Egypt. Aaron was, after all, the older brother, the one appointed by God to be Moses' spokesperson to Pharaoh. He must have felt some justification in taking on the role. Maybe he felt this was his rightful place. God had, at last, seen his qualities and decided to use them to their best advantage. He was the priest, the one God trusted to organize sacrifices and worship. How easy it must have been to leave God out of the picture and get carried away with self-importance. Pride and arrogance can catch us all out, especially when we think we're doing God and his people a favor. Thankfully, in our gospel reading in Mark 1, John the Baptist gives us a model of leadership and self-sacrifice that shows us the way is to be always leading everyone and everything to Jesus. John lived his whole life dependent on God and pointing to Jesus and refusing position or power. But it is so easy to see the mistake God's people made, isn't it? How silly can you get, thinking God could be made and worshipped out of gold trinkets, particularly gold trinkets taken as plunder of the Egyptians. What were they thinking of? Maybe, though, it was what they knew and understood, familiar even, after living for years under Egyptian rule, where all gods seemed to be made from all sorts of materials. Perhaps they even thought as gold was so precious that they were honoring God. It was the culture they knew. Perhaps they couldn't make the leap from gods who had images to one who didn't. Perhaps the challenges to be set apart and to be different seemed to be too much. It was comfortable and it was familiar. The exodus from the old ways of thinking was proving to be so much harder than the exodus from the old land. These were simple, idolatrous people who didn't have the benefit of Jesus' example. But hang on a minute. Maybe if we look at our own situation, we're not so very different. We unknowingly and unthinkingly absorb the culture. It can be so hard to run against the crowd, to stand and be counted as one of God's beloved instead of behaving just like everyone else. We perhaps build our own calves, though possibly more subtly than the desperate exiles. Perhaps we imbibe and long for comfort and familiarity too. Perhaps we too are afraid of being different from the culture that surrounds us and that we understand. It's hard to see this culture for what it is, a culture that understands worship of things and worships intelligence and enlightenment rather than depth and mystery. I was shocked at college when someone asked, you don't actually believe the miracles really happened, do you? And a tutor failed to respond. It was left to another student One who was known to be very difficult and spiky and who people tend to avoid at the student bar to say, yes, actually, I do. Easy to realise what's going on at theological college. A lot harder at work or in the supermarket or when we're out with our friends. When we read about the children of Israel, we can easily wonder at the crassness of Black Friday and people trampling each other for TV sets and computers when half the world is starving. But what is it that we are building? There are so many temptations. Building the body beautiful at the gym. Bigger, better houses. Bigger, better jobs. Position and power modeling Aaron and assuming we can second-guess God, or even do him a favor. Christmas can become a festival of feasting where we protect our own interests rather than looking out for the lost and the lonely. Church and practicing religion itself can become so powerful that we forget Jesus. I wonder whether we're not so different in our tendency to worship things other than God. We speak and sing of divine transformation while we do everything in our power to maintain our equilibrium. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, it's because Israel is so like us that the stories resonate with us so well. I was surprised and humbled by an archbishop from Tanzania years ago when he felt it was greedy and therefore sinful to have two pieces of toast and marmalade with his breakfast, something we would do without a second thought. One of the questions that challenged me when I came home from Nairobi was how can I live more simply? Society and culture become part of us so that we cannot always work out how we're falling blindly into wrong until something like foreign travel brings us into contact with a society where poverty and hunger is a reality. The Israelites go on to tell of how it was Moses that brought them out of Egypt, failing to understand how God has intervened in their history. How like us, when we reduce our faith to consumerism as we prefer one style of worship over another, one leader over another, all the while failing to look at God. One of the ways the children of Israel misjudged God was to think that they understood him, so building him in their own image as we so often do when we think we know him better than those people over there. But so the story moves on, verse 7. God has seen what happened and his anger burned. History must have held its breath. Was this the point at which it was all going to go horribly wrong? Had God miscalculated, misunderstood Is this a point at which we throw in the towel and say God is too difficult to understand when we agree with those that say he's a vengeful and angry God? I would say it's only when we understand something of the holiness of God that we can understand the violence of God's reaction and the terrible punishment of Israel that followed. Moses intervenes selflessly. Aaron, once so seemingly so sure and clear, now dissolves in fear and blames others for his mistake. Perhaps Moses has an awareness of how far God has already brought him, from exiled murderer to leader and prophet. Moses had been forgiven much. Aaron had yet to learn. Perhaps in knowing how much God had already forgiven him, Moses became bold in his faith. He resists the temptation that had gripped Aaron as he refuses God's offer of making a great nation from only his descendants. In verse 11, Moses takes on God as he pleads for leniency. I wonder if Moses was reminding God or himself of the covenant promises that he had made. Either way, it's a sure way of increasing our faith and understanding when we, understand, when we remind ourselves of his love, grace, and redemption. The story God has already told, even as here with Moses, it seems as if the world as we know it is rocked and changed forever. And then in verse 14, we're told, God relented. God relented? so does God change his mind? Has what Moses said changed the course of human history? If so, that is more amazing than I can comprehend. Certainly one commentator suggests that God simply embarked on a different course of action, one that was always a possibility In the Bible, it's clear that God's promises and warnings are conditional on our response. Hence the word covenant, requiring a two-way relationship. Moses is here carrying out God's purpose, remembering the promises to his ancestors, refusing power and authority for himself. Moses, perhaps, never was more one with God than at that point. This is not a vengeful and spiteful God, but one who's working out his purpose of grace and mercy. God, who in the New Testament would send John the Baptist to prepare the way for his son to extend that grace and mercy to all. There have certainly been times in my life where I've thought I've gone too far. Too many times when the only difference between me and others that bear terrible consequences for what they've done is that I haven't been caught or that I have happened to be in the company of people wiser than me. Don't panic. I've no intention of making any public confessions here. But when we can understand how much we have failed, this story can reassure us that even when we think we've gone too far... When it looks like there's no way back, the wrong we have done is too great for God to forgive. God always helps us to find a way back. There is nothing we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. In this story, God, who had preserved the children of Israel in Egypt and brought them out of captivity, provides a way of forgiveness Moses stood in the gap for his people. He repented, asking for God's mercy. In this story, God, who had preserved the children of Israel in Egypt and brought them out of captivity, provides a way back into relationship. What had begun as a doctrine of providence became a doctrine of God's grace, his undeserved favor and love showered on the unworthy just as John was calling in the desert and Jesus showed us thousands of years later. If anything I have said has resonated with you, do take the opportunity to come up after the service for prayer ministry. There will be people here ready and willing to pray for you. And if it has hit home, as with Moses, remember... God is already there and he's already listening. Amen.